Welcome to Ravel, a roundtable show about how faith gets complex with the vast amount of information at our fingertips. For some people, this complexity has caused the unraveling of their faith, and for other people, it's been liberating. Take us, for example. I'm Stephen. I'm Josh. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of the American Christian spectrum, and as some of our beliefs migrate, we still feel like our theology is in process. Theology always has fundamentally been, and will always be, an exploratory dialogue. That alone is proof that faith raveling doesn't have to be a crisis, even if it feels like it. We don't have all the answers, so we want to use this show to model what it can look like to genuinely sort through beliefs in real time. So share a drink with us as we pull on the thread of our own pressing questions. Thanks for listening. Emily. Oh my God. What just I? What just happened to me? Seriously, I can't stop crying. We're wiping the tears away. Emily, we just got to spend time with Rob Bell. I know. What? I think. I think. For me, what I enjoyed the most was just literally being a fly on the wall. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to see, like seeing his NUMA videos, like the moments where he's giving examples of something or making parallels. Those are his NUMA videos. Yeah. He's literally talking to you and making these parallels and you feel so invited into that space. And I literally got to experience that with the man himself. It wasn't a DVD that I popped in and am watching on the screen. It was I got to physically see him say it live and encounter that space. Yeah. He's the same. Like, of course, he's changed over time. Everyone changes. But like, he is the same that he was when I watched his videos Mm -hmm. all those years ago. Mm -hmm. Like, that to me is so meaningful that his embodiment and how he carries himself and views the world even with all the change of life he can stay the same Mm -hmm. in those moments like yeah that's why i'm melting it's like it's like when you have a favorite celebrity and then like shit hits the fan and they're like not the same that they used to be and you're like i can't believe i liked this person like they're so different now yeah that is not the case with with rob bell it was a similar experience to me uh, just recently I went and saw the 20th anniversary tour that Switchfoot put on playing the beautiful oh, letdown yeah. in its entirety and connecting with songs that I first heard when I was eight. <laughs> oh man. Oh. oh man. Something about that, huh? It is. Yeah. And here I am, like you said in the intro, here I am the guy who thought, you weren't a Christian. I thought Rob Bell was antichrist because I was told he was. Oh, yeah. And I have I have moments of this is what we were afraid of. Are we serious? This can't be. We're missing out if we really right. think it's about. Uh, uh, what a gift. What a gift. I think I would love for folks to read this and pick up a copy of this book. He just mm-hmm. read the audiobook himself. We have him do readings. Of course, yeah. you ask Rob Bell to read his book for you. Of course. But he just did the audiobook himself, and that's available on his website, uh, as is this big paper with the yeah uh, dog ears and underlines and sticky notes, this paper in front of me. I think I would love to invite people to read this and 
uh, to the Ravelers who are in the Discord or who want to be in the Discord. I think this book, Where'd You Park Your Spaceship by Rob Bell, the Dill Tud of our universe, of our Earth. I think this is the next book we do in book club because. Ooh, yeah. After a launch like this, talking with Rob, there's so much more to be said and so much more to explore with other people who are reading. Oh, yeah. Especially because. Like from the beginning when he stated like there's no one interpretation and that's why he enjoys doing these kinds of interviews is he gets to hear and dissect anew. Yeah. Like that's the beauty of his writing and what this book should be about is like, I'm not going to tell you what it's about. You discover that. And it would be so cool to hear everyone in the discord make meaning for themselves and yeah. to see what what they draw that's life-giving are you because it's me? evident that that is a gift that's it's what yeah. it is of course i'm surrounded by his books that i own like all over my <laughs> desk here i think everyone should get into it uh you've heard of rob bell on this podcast before robbell.com he's on instagram he's doing art shows he's doing paintings mm-hmm. just what a gift this person is and yeah we're excited to uh invite you on this little journey we take with spaceships and planets and grief and imagination, right? Yeah. And of course we ask him what he drinks. That's what we do on Ravel. Of course. We share a drink. Wouldn't be a Ravel show without asking we shared a what drink beverage he has. With Rob Bell. So let's get into it, shall we? Emily, cheers. Clink. Oh my goodness. Hello, Rob Bell. <laughs> 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 We're oh, doing it. Steven. Look at Cody. Look at her. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm melting right now. <laughs> Delightful. Here we are, peoples. How are we? We are so good. Where are you in the world? I am in Cody, Wyoming. I serve the Methodist Church. I am the pastor of the Methodist Church in Cody, Wyoming. And I. Not Cody. It's, oh, Emily. Okay. I've changed it. Yes. It's our church's Zoom that I'm using. <laughs> oh, but I like how you just said I. I serve this church. I changed it. Yes. You meant your name, but I saw it as like, I changed it. No. <laughs> I was like, that's big swings right there. All right. Oh, my God. And I am in Billings, Montana. This is the best. Here all the way. Look at us. We are simultaneously, we're all here, but you're there right. in California and she's there in Wyoming. Right. Just like you talk about Raise in the book, right? There's here's and uh, there's and it's all the same raises questions about what we mean by here and you apparently have nassau play (laughs) figurines behind you so i feel like i'm in the right place yeah well i had to set up my saturn 5 lego spaceship for this of course (laughs) you know this right (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah we're here and we're doing it i would love to just get straight into this mr rob bell yeah do we call you rob do you like rob bell with one b how do you Well, I've noticed how many people, especially lately, I've noticed people calling me Rob Bell. Sure. Yeah. There's not a lot of Rob anymore. You call yourself Rob Bell quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's like how we... Uh, We've noticed that. Yeah. I noticed that as well. I noticed it's um, it's like how you stay limber with all these ridiculous ideas of identity. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my stance, oh, my position, I'm a whatever. Oh, please. Come on. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> when you're laughing at the at the idea that there's some I having an experience that I call me, if you're already in on that joke, you're halfway there. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> being in on that joke and also I like because of you actually I've connected so much with Pete Holmes's work and he talks about like this oh, yeah. this moment we're having among the three of us like this is just the universe giggling with itself playing with itself and like absolutely look at us we're, right yeah so um <laughs> I just want to get straight into it I already have zoom recording and okay we just want to go for it shall we excellent let's launch the spaceship <laughs> I I tried to put together what is typically like a podcast introduction, Ugh. but what I came to realize is that Rob Bell is kind of a, a category of his own. You know, you can list quite a few things, but not a lot of them quite fill you out as a person, painter, artist, author, speaker, musician, playwright, teacher, surfer, podcaster. So I'll just say we welcome a beautiful and inspiring human being who is a giver of the gift of himself mm. to our podcast today. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh, Man, that's that's beautiful. In Thank you. typical Ravel fashion, Rob Bell, we'd love to know what you are drinking today for our podcast. This is what we do at the top of every episode. This is how we commune around the pub table at mm -hmm. our favorite breweries. Yeah. This is how we connect at the very top of the episode to... Mm -hmm. We're not even simulating joining each other at the table. We're literally joining each other at we the table. We are literally yeah. joining each other, yes. Yeah. Okay, so I, I drink this every morning. This is cacao, bee pollen, chia seeds, blister peanuts, oat milk, and banana with some ice and a touch of water. Wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like as that many is... superfoods as you can get into a thing. So picture like a chocolate peanut butter banana situation, but it's no sugar. And cacao has like a whoo. Uh, yeah. Like there are like ancient plant ceremonies to this day of, revolving around cacao and then of course a banana just you're, you're already in you're already on fire of course and uh <laughs> chia seeds and apparently bee pollen is the best thing you can put in your body so a scoop of bee pollen which comes in these little yellow little yellow balls oh wow look at you just taking care of yourself yeah every morning how long has it been every morning when were you introduced to this potion oh I, but years a couple years wow and that's funny because i made my daughter my daughter uh, is 14 and so I take her to school high school each morning and this morning Kristen came in my wife came into the kitchen and Violet I had made her a bagel and we each had a bagel and we were sitting at opposite ends of the table yeah like fine dining you know like pass <laughs> me this mustard and Kristen came in and the two of us were just having this discussion from opposite ends of the table <laughs> right before I made my drink it was a good moment it was a good moment oh my goodness Beautiful. that's spectacular <laughs> I am drinking my go-to, my British blend hot black tea with, and this morning I did honey and milk. I usually just do milk, but today I did honey and milk and it's, it's adding a little something, something, which is really nice. Beautiful. Extra little something. I'm, I'm sticking with my classic. I'm on a LaCroix today, a Raz Cranberry LaCroix. Keep it simple. Yes. Keep it easy. So, Rob, how I'm picturing this interview going, of course, there are questions, but there are also moments where it's going to feel like I'm more like throwing the wiffle ball across the plate for you just to crush it out of the park for us. So there will be questions, but there will also be more or less invitations to riff, if you will. <laughs> okay. It's like I'm queuing up my favorite Robcast riffs in one just power playlist today. Mm, so Got it. And I want to note, so... I have been a huge fan of your work since I was in fifth grade. I'll be 30 in June. I grew up watching every single one of your NUMA videos. I've read several of your books. 
And Stephen, when he told me that he had an opportunity to talk with you, I said, I just want to be in the presence of Rob Bell and then be inspired with questions. So this is really like a Stephen moment. And then I'm going to just fangirl and chime in <laughs> as, as I feel the spirit move. So I'm not that awkward <laughs> lady just sitting in the Zoom corner. I just like that you basically said, I'm not this awkward lady. But if it does get awkward, please remember, I am not this awkward lady. Exactly. If it gets awkward, refer to rule number one. <laughs> I'm not awkward. <laughs> Perfect. So, Rob, we know your go-to morning potion, excellent cocktail mm -hmm. of a smoothie. What's your favorite like go-to snack? Uh, you know those Mary's crackers? Yeah. Who are those people? Who are you people? What are you people doing? How'd you figure that out? <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> you know? Another left field question. <laughs> I really want to know what Taylor Swift album you and Violet are spending the most together these days. Uh, this morning was the vault version of You're Losing Me, which she put out yesterday. And of course, all the way to school, we discussed whether that didn't make the album because of obvious relationship timing issues. And Violet, mm -hmm. as she got in the car, was like, mm -hmm. if she had to play this differently, this could have been the, the new All Too Well. Yeah, yeah. So we discussed... Emily and I were right? just talking about that song before you hopped in. I yes, I uh, I cried into my coffee this morning listening devastating to that song. song. A devastating song, mm. wasn't it? Yes, Ooh, it's it's one Remarkable. of those that like it's so direct. It's like don't put any ornaments on the tree. Mm -hmm. Just get out of the way because it comes in so straightforward. Yeah, it really mm -hmm. is kind of a uh, you're sitting with a person and they say, "Don't look away. Look at me." And mm -hmm. that kind of soul searching. Ooh, that intentional. Yes. Huge. Huge. Yeah. Do you have a smell that always teleports you to good places in your childhood? If I hear two cycle outboard motor engine fumes, like from a small rowboat, fishing boat, oh. throttle gas mm. engine, then I'm in the upper peninsula of Michigan at summertime. And I'm going out on the lake in my little rowboat with my little engine. That's and there's that little fume sound that right now we'd all be like, a kid shouldn't be breathing that. But you had to mix the oil and the gas just right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, could, I could smell that anywhere. And if it's anywhere, especially if it's anywhere near water mm. and I'm there. Yeah. Instantly. Beautiful. Are you familiar with the show Arrested Development? Uh, Yeah. There's a scene where a couple characters are talking in prison and the father played by Jeffrey Tambor has a moment. Uh, He's eating an ice cream sandwich and he's getting distracted from the conversation because he goes, I am having a love affair with this ice cream sandwich. Could you, Rob Bell, explain your love affair with tomatoes? Because tomatoes have shown up a couple times in yeah. Where'd You Park Your Spaceship? And they've been featured heavily on the Robcast <laughs> in the past. So. Yeah, like that one woman who eats that one woman. And then she took a bite of a tomato that she took out of her pocket. Yeah. yeah. You're right. I didn't even think of that. You're right. They do. What is it about Rob Bell and tomatoes? A salsa. 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 Oh, yeah. But uh, uh, tomato is salsa in its embryonic form. So it's a tomato is a salsa potential. It's pre-salsa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you, it actually, you have to step outside of linear time when you see a tomato because the salsa already exists in the future. But what is the future? Wow. Yes. And, and like they're not, I, we, there's a farmer's market I'll go to this afternoon right down the hill from our house. And the tomatoes are out of season right now. Mm -hmm. And my organic farmer, Jose, won't have any. And it just killed me the first time I went. And, and then Kristen was like, yeah, they're out of season. And I was like, oh my God, that's the best idea ever. In season, out of season. Now I got no tomatoes right now. I'm not doing tomatoes right now. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it is, well, like with all things, just my love. At some point, I'm going to show up and Jose's going to have a table full of tomatoes and uh, I'm going to... And you'll be there. Oh, that that was the answer I wanted. I, I've, <laughs> I've been long, like, dreaming of the day I get to ask you about tomatoes. That's very exciting. Well, literally, uh, just put me on a planet with tomatoes and potatoes. Uh-huh. Come back in seven years with more supplies, but... Of course. Well, yeah. like, I, mm-hmm. it, it even stuck out to me that when... Uh, like his world is kind of like flipping upside down when he Grubers is touring Diltud's Canyon, but he notices that there are tomatoes there. And I was like, of course, Rob Bell would put tomatoes there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Another question. When he visits the best bookstore anywhere on the planet Meebs, mm-hmm. do you imagine him walking into your favorite bookstore? And if so, can you tell us about that bookstore? Uh, what's interesting about, where'd you park your spaceship is none of the characters or locations. They aren't any places that I know or been like none of the characters are like I snuck in a friend or a family member. Oh, there's no like family inserts. It's almost like a kill switch. Yeah. So like there, there, there might be something that's, that's backhanded named after a friend or something, sure. but it's the creation of a world, at least for me, it's a certain kind of art space where uh, like I like when Nunez gives the bread is magic speech in the can in the ravine. I was in the ravine for three or four days. Mm. I knew she was going to do something and blow everybody, but I didn't actually know what. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's some sort of creating, but also experiencing that. If you, the reader, are like, did not see that coming. Good chance I didn't see it coming. Oh, cool. There were larger things where I was like, oh yeah, I know, I know, I know where I'm going with this. So like the um, architectural spaces, the people, like uh, those really were to me new. Now, obviously, I'm mm-hmm. pulling and duct taping together all sorts of bits and fragments that I assume. But it's almost like that's what, why these interviews have been so delightful for me is having like I never even picked up on the tomato thing. <laughs> so it's almost like it, you're in some sort of state where you're where it's coming through and it's being created and the story is being mm. told and then later it's almost like the subconscious just goes to work and then later you can sort of experience it almost like you ex- i almost read it like you read it like oh huh, look at that connection wow yeah. yeah although i miss most of it most of it takes it that's why this has been so new for me is wow yeah well that reminds me of liz gilbert's big magic concept yeah. like <laughs> it just came out of me the idea you know i spent a few days in the ravine and Nunez's speech happened to you as it happened to us as well. Mm-hmm. It's not like mm-hmm. you're crafting. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, mm-hmm. I need to say this. Of course, there's there's some of that, like plotting a movement, movements of a book. But <laughs> I, I love that you're discovering it in ways that we are discovering it as well. It's funny That's that special. you mentioned Liz, because she and I this summer did an event in New York together where we were on. We did a weekend event where we sit side by side in chairs and just go. Like on Saturday, like on the Saturday of the weekend, <laughs> we went for seven and a half hours straight. Yeah. Just yeah. side by side. Just, and we have a, a running thing between us because I like to have a very loose sense of where we're going to take people and then see what happens. And she likes to have a little more of a roadmap. Mm-hmm. So we have, it's essentially, you just helped me see, it's essentially a big magic discussion. <laughs> My <laughs> knobs are just adjusted slightly differently. And later she was telling a friend, she's like, yeah, he like, he just kind of wants to see what, what will happen, but I kind of want to have a little more sense of what's going to happen. Wow. But it's almost like the, the big magic dials 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have your gain set a little higher on that yeah. track. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Final question in this kind of like rapid fire. Like I couldn't really mm-hmm. slot these into the, like the movements. By the way, Steven, no one opens with lightning round ever. So this is like brilliant. We got to do a lightning round. Uh, it's always, you know, to. at the end, we'll do a lightning round. You guys start with lightning round. I mean, come on. We got to loosen up. Wonderful. That's what we're okay, doing go ahead. here. We're playing. Uh, the final question, as if you were begging to be asked this when you inserted it into your own book, and as if I'm clever, because I'm sure I'm not the first person to do this, what is your favorite bread? Oh, I only think like one person maybe has asked that question. Wow. There is this bakery under an oak tree that I go down the hill to in the morning and they make a salt bagel that is like a highfalutin salt bagel. Mm. I don't even, it's not even like a standard white dough. It's like, I have no idea. And I don't ask, and I don't ask them because I don't want to know. (laughs) And if you get there, it's a whole like long counter of pastries. If you get there too late, they're all gone, which tells me the other humanoids are like me, we're, are tapped into this juice. They know. I can't even, it's thin, it's thin, and you can't really see the salt. It's like big, once again, it's magic. don't ask questions. I, I don't want to know. Experience the mystery, but of course. An unbelievable experience wow. of bread. Wow. Mm. All right, so end of the rapid fire. I really want to get into the book first and just like this world of imagination that came out of you and that you gave us as this gift. My first question, coming out from a different part of space though true or false rob bell when i steven read rob bell's what's a nucka <laughs> is that what nord has written yes in the book yes <laughs> and that was like a huge that was actually a huge moment when when nord, nord writes a play and i was like what should what should what should what will we call nord's play and also i was like wait a second he could write what's a nucka yeah and and i i i a number of people have asked about that and i always say the moment i was like wait in this book is a reference to another book that i actually published that you could uh-huh. and i could just feel npr eye rolling somewhere like all the cool kids <laughs> you know what i mean all the pitchfork kids are like that's so on the nose it's so and that was actually a huge part of this even in, in what i was going through in my life at the time yeah, but it's how I do it. Mm-hmm. It is ridiculous. It is absurd. It is obvious. It is on the nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the place called What's in Mecca. Mm-hmm. And that's when I had this. It went from a story in me, at least it went from like a a story that I was following to a world because mm-hmm. obviously Bobby Freelance is going to write a self-help book. And obviously this one even is book one. And obviously there's an I love dill tud tote bag coming and a piddle 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 mug you know what i mean obviously yeah. all of this is coming <laughs> there was there was something about bobby freelance's energy that gave me your play will get back to you at, as well <laughs> i could see him like letting that story come out so follow-up question with what's a nucka then because nord gives birth to this play in the world um and we'll get to the interview uh, on the doorstep that they have with bobby oh uh. But with Pabby Absar, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I'm wondering throughout the story, I wonder what you think Heen carries with him that he learned from Watanuka, specifically learned from Gary Smith. I actually think the play itself was Nord 
Like, no, you'll be on stage narrating. Like, mm. we, we create the world. We can do stuff. Oh, oh. Like, Nord is this wonderful gift of activation and generativity. Yeah. Nord does not wait for the world to be created so he can find his place in it. He's just making shit up. And, like, he's just faking it. He's just, we'll just go there and we'll just start asking if there's a kid who can cry on command. Like, Nord just makes the world. Yeah. Mm. And Heen is just, it's so thrilling to not wait to like, like for, for so many, the, the, the conditioning was there's a world out there, try and find your place as opposed to creating a life. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, so in some ways, the, his participation in the play and the fact that we, we made something and we did it and then the devastation when when Nord turns on him. Mm-hmm. I hadn't even thought of it that way. It's like a whole way of being that just gets shut down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We used to make these glider things and we used to do these plays and like Yeah, and it gets shut down and I feel like the rest the rest of the book is Heen kind of rediscovering that original lesson that Nord gave. Like him. when he like he gradually begins to see how numb he's been. And actually a number mm. uh, two different friends who are in in publishing. The original draft was 750 pages and they were like yeah the action well, it doesn't really have any action until Nunier shows up. That's like really where it kicks in gear. You kind of want to you got to hook your reader, you're going to lose your readers, you got to hook your reader. That's kind of where the book really begins and I distinctly remember that this sitting with those notes of friends I I love and respect and thinking no, mm. we have we have to meet Heen early and follow him. We have to be with him mm-hmm. so that as he begins to feel, I just had this sense. Oh no, this is an experience, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and if you go on the ride with him, I remember thinking that there's a chance that people that we could really feel something. Yeah, I think there's a temptation to kind of. Plenty of good stories do this where they just present you a premise and force you to accept it so that we can yeah. move on. And in some ways you do that. Of course, you open page one with we brown balled the earth and we're somewhere else. Humans have yeah. figured out mm-hmm. how to go galactic. Mm-hmm. And that's something we just have to accept. But we you make the human part of the story. No, we can't do you know, we can't just start mm-hmm. the John Wick movie knowing that he's an assassin and that he's hurt. You know, we have to see what gets him to being we have to see what makes heen heen through his childhood, through his family, through being an only child and being around large families with a lot of kids. Yeah. There's so many things that get extruded into his future that we can't miss out yeah. on. Yeah. We can't miss and out by on. The, yeah. And you think about like, if we're living in the golden age of TV and there's all these shows that people are binging, why? And it's like, if you do watch an old world, sitcom or something they just skip over all the stuff Mm -hmm. they just go for the bang they just go for the like everybody's by the hospital bed crying and you're like uh, it almost feels manipulative like i guess there's emotion going on here as opposed to season three episode four of succession when one character looks another character and does like one tiny and you have 17 different bits and pieces between those two characters that that one little eye roll 
communicates and then you start stacking the eye rolls because you've earned it and exactly yeah of course we've earned it oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and in that way this like where'd you park your spaceship is about humans in the galaxy of ours with a brown bald earth because we (laughs) we failed our responsibility to the earth so we're out there somewhere in this story and yet does it feels like the most down-to-earth stories we could have (laughs) <laughs> isn't that fascinating among all the planets right Lunley, Meebs, Yorch, Furtis were isn't that fascinating so many different places and again that's one of my I love that the book is called Where'd You Park Your Spaceship and we just know that spaceship ex- spaceships exist if this was sci-fi we would have had three chapters explaining what the control panel looked like <laughs> and you just say yeah we have spaceships and we, we go to places <laughs> <laughs> there's that there's actually an entirely massive section where I did a whole taxonomy of spaceships and ex- explained a, a particular feature and then I was like, ah, well, that's something else. Mm. Yeah, we don't, I, I like I had <laughs> to do I had that. to for myself do tons of backstory. Yeah. And then I was like, ah That's something else. <laughs> yes. And it's so striking to me how well I wrote a book that came out in 2011 called Love Wins, mm-hmm. and the premise was that heaven and hell are present states of reality and consciousness we shape mm-hmm. and that like speculating about what happens when you die is a fairly ridiculous premise for having like conviction or certainty, but (laughs) we do have very real hells on earth right now. So the whole book was trying to take something that's understood culturally, conceptually. Well, how do you speculate about what happens when you die and move it into economics, politics, war, ecology, this world here and now. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how many interviews when that book, the I would do that whole riff and the person be like, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Great point. So where, where do you think Hitler is? <laughs> like couldn't almost, it was like a magnet just back to conceptual ridiculous. Yeah. How is your furniture arranged about this? Then 12 years later, a book about the planet Furtis in another time, in another place, in another galaxy and <laughs> It literally is just a made up head thing. And every single interview is present loss, ecology, grief, joy, connection, love, yeah, pain. Yeah. How yeah. I, I, I like, I know nothing. I, I don't know how it works, but I think it's so interesting that no interviews about this book or discussions are sort of esoteric. What do you think about? It's always the tears and I lost my mother and, I think about the way that like very granular incarnated how mm-hmm. we actually live here and now. Yeah. Which is, I think one of the most fascinating, unexpected things to me, which people who love fiction are like, yeah, literature. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. It introduces us to humanity every time we yeah. pick it up. Right. Yeah. You make up an entirely other fabricated world to find yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the great gift of even science fiction as a as a concept is like yeah we're going other places but the fact that we're following humans is the part yes that we're connected yeah. to and oddly yeah. enough all that metal and glass and technology and air gaps so that you can get out of the ship into the whatever yeah, yeah. weirdly enough take you into your own heart mm-hmm. almost faster which is we, we, we are fascinating creatures we are i am curious if you'll permit me to ask it so directly so we we have a world that is like it's fascinated with earth 
Heen is one of the Earth readers, oh. right? Fascinated mm-hmm. with the Earth. We're getting stories of Everest climbers with no oxygen. We're getting stories of Sunset Boulevard walkers. True. Yeah, all that part's true, by the way, but it's great. I, I wonder, did you have did you ever have a moment where you explicitly decided, I'm going to point to all these things, but I'm not interested in pointing at the Bible or like the religious structures of the earth. Did you ever have a moment where you're like, I'm just not interested in that? Or was that more by accident? I didn't even cross my mind. Wow. Honestly, that's the answer. I love that answer. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even... You had something else to say. I didn't... uh, A story doesn't work if you mean something. If you're making a point. Oh. If you're... This is what I want you to get. Mm -hmm. It kneecaps itself. It's almost like a trap door opens below you. If you... Think about the movies you've seen where it was clear, oh, I guess I'm supposed to accept people who aren't like me. You, you're like, oh, gross. Wow. It's being shoved on you. Yeah. The moment it's being shoved, uh, we'd say on the nose, paint by numbers. Oh, God, it's just so heavy handed is what we would say. Yeah. The moment you can feel that there is a point that is trying to be made, you're out. You have yeah. even have a deep like repulsion. Mm-hmm. And that's the, how it is as the storyteller. Uh, if there was like or like even what what are the themes of this book? I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I could tell you what it does to me, I could tell you, I could find myself in it here and there. Mm-hmm. That's why I discussed talking about it with you is so interesting to me. But if I had been like, this character represents this, you'd be like, Ugh. we would check out. Yeah. Like even what we talked about earlier, if a character did start to feel like they were a certain thing, like an arc, even an archetype, let alone like, somebody I know mm-hmm. inspired by it. It like it weirdly like, like crimps the garden hose, like no water can get through. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and also I did notice that the, in the center of a circle where there's the Karis and the Mary Yeah. where, so that people are familiar with comings and goings. And when he is like, it's called a Mary, I don't know why I did notice then I was like, what should it call? And then Kar- Karis and Mary somehow Karis and Mary sounded right. And then I was like, oh, a Mary, like as a mother. But what struck me was, oh, there are these moments when he has these, like, I don't know why that is. Or the library is the largest building, obviously. Like, he's just yeah. describing <laughs> his world. Mm-hmm. And, like, like I, I'd seen a bicycle. Um, <laughs> and I, that, right, right on, I loved his sort of, uh, I don't know why it's, I don't know. I don't know why it's called like certain parts of earth have sort of in little bits and fragments have floated over the years Mm -hmm. Um, in the same way that we would talk about Murphy's law. Who's Murphy. And that sucks. That's, that's, (laughs) that's what you're known for is stuff breaking. Yeah. 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 That's your contribution. I, you know, was Murphy when he was around, but like, I I really want to live a legacy. And you're like, Hey champ, (laughs) when, when, when stuff goes left, that's gonna be your legacy. You'd be like, okay, never mind. I really, not. I really. So that was so that was super, super compelling to me. Was these almost like echoes of Earth that still seem to be around? But then when Heen describes his, he just knows his world and just describe. Yeah, teachers make the most money of anybody. They're like the most esteemed. It's like the hardest job to get. Yeah, like he's just and his dad's like, you know, it didn't used to be like this. He's like, well, I don't understand. Um, 
that mm-hmm. that also to me had a and I has a certain it was like this is how things should be arranged. It's a hundred times more interesting to just just describe an arrangement because you're because it shows you the malleability of the world. Yeah, like we could right now just rearrange education, governance, whatever. We could just do it absolutely. So it, like it sort of does something anyway. So could you introduce Emily because uh, she hasn't read this book yet? Could you introduce the concept? <laughs> How is that? Is that what you're going to ask? <laughs> and she's just following along this conversation. Well, again, she's not the she's not the awkward lady. See, rule. I'm one. not the awkward lady. <laughs> That's quite impressive. Um, could you introduce just the uh, the arrangement that is the circle that's placed? Because we visit circles on every planet, and every circle oh, yeah. has its has its shape and has its features. You've already introduced us. Could you talk more about the Karis and the Marys and the libraries? Yeah, yeah. And- so, like when when they land a planet. The first 10,000 people form the first circle. The 10,000 first person begins, you make a second circle. The circles are connected, and everything is contained within a circle, so you can walk everywhere. Mm-hmm. So right away, I was like, oh, the, the, these worlds don't have cell phones or cars, which to, was very compelling to me, just to take out two of the most central devices for us, yeah. just take them out and see what it's like. And then Keen learns in school that what had happened in the past was that a lot of people hadn't been in a room when a body, someone had died, and they also hadn't been in a room when someone had been born, and that the comings and goings then became unfamiliar to lots of people. Mm. So the unknown always runs the show. Yeah. Like in the center of a circle, there'd be a library, but there was also a Karis and a Mary, a place where you go when you're going to have a baby, and then there's Mm -hmm. a place where when someone dies, you burn the body so that everybody was in you're going to get bakery you're going to your groceries yeah you the comings and goings are all out in the open they're all out there yeah so and then if you want to go to another circle there's glides almost like a transit that just takes you to another circle so you can so essentially it's just basically just urban planning Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but they just do it well so far the planets that you've been to in book one there's a sort of elegance and simplicity to them. Mm. Sure. And then, and then he gets this job as a staker, which is whenever they're making a new circle, his job is to put strings and stakes into the ground, outlining where the buildings will go. Where they, okay. And then Spy V is his boss, and she will just sit for hours in among all these string uh, schematics and just feel. So she's teaching him about how you put a bunch of buildings together and it creates a feeling or wow. So that's like all my, yeah. So I just brilliant. really thought it was to show like, because most, like if you live in a city, you, you like most American cities are sprawl. Yeah, they are. When in doubt, just pour more concrete. <laughs> <laughs> so, so far, in book, I keep doing my disclaimer. So far in book one, you've mostly only encountered these very calm, planned out landings of planets. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see. And see we'll if there's other see. things that happen on other planets. Who knows? Ooh. Oh, fascinating. I can't wait. Because we've been introduced <laughs> to Furtist where things are a little on a tilt. And I love that. And I loved, loved all of a sudden realizing, wait. Is Furtis, because he just keeps telling you Furtis is different than these other planets he's been to, the 138. But is it? 
or is mm-hmm. he ready? Is it different? Like, are the other bakeries not filled with these fascinating Zigames and Lanzings or? Yeah. So even the way human consciousness, how you think about your own growth and expansion, like, well, then I met these people and it was just like everything changed or I, yeah. right. was it those people or were you ready in some deeply mysterious way? Mm. Or like a book you read and then you read that same book five years later and it's blowing you away. You're like, did I even read this five years ago? Like earlier right. me missed, I know I read this chapter, but I missed everything in this chapter. So why we're ready for certain things at certain times. Wow. I mean, think of how many people t- 15 years ago, think about how many people 20 years ago caring for the earth was a democratic party platform plank. <laughs> That was like mm-hmm. a thing. Like that was like a, what would they even say? What would people say? Like a, those are liberal causes. Yeah. Think of, think of in 20 years. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. how many people were like, no, that's like, that's just a bunch of like drama. And I assume they get money for those studies that tell us it's all going to. And now you have hundreds of millions of people who are now like, oh, no, this is actually like a legit crisis. Like this is, this is actually super serious. Like, yeah, like, right. Th- like going to the grocery store and being like, we need more organic, like we need more organic yeah. food and like looking at the label and being like, is it organic cotton? And like, what, what chemicals are we doing in the world? And, and even temperature rises and weather patterns and freakish stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you just think about mm-hmm. how something starts way over here. Or I always say like, watch the democratic primary debate <laughs> and the, the people on the farthest edges who are saying universal basic can just take and just watch four years later how they are like two spots in yeah, the idea yeah. that everybody's like, Oh yeah. Like we could ever do that. And then just watch the idea just think, moving in towards the center. <laughs> <laughs> we just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel. Seriously. There's a lot of great shows out there and we're grateful to be in your feed. Thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology. If you want to support what we're doing, the best way to help is to tell a friend about us. We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music in full color. One theme that leapt out to me, and this, I mean, this this is across everything you've given us with your books, your plays, your podcasts, is this this movement we get to see in Heen through a state of integration, disintegration to reintegration. There's this Mm. moment of things are this way things we have circles and I get to help create those circles. I'm a staker and I I learn about what it's like. I want to read a little bit of your book to you and then I'm going to ask you to read a little bit. (laughs) 
to me. Do you me encounter in this? Do you encounter people reading to you your words that you wrote? I love it. I love it so much. People will be like, can I just read you two of my favorite passages? And then they'll read them and they like throw themselves into it. And <laughs> what was it? Maybe, la- yeah, a couple days ago, a woman in Florida somewhere was reading when Bourne gives his speech in the bakery about love and has Philippe died yet? And love must be present in space. I'm actually going to ask you to read that in a couple minutes. Oh, so. are you? Oh, no way. <laughs> I mean, she was reading it and I was like, it was like so moving to me. Okay. Anyway. So in this, in this state of integration, Heen has learned like, this is how the arrangements have worked. This is, you know, he grows up with Sir Pong telling us yeah. we have so, the arrangements. Yeah. Very they straightforward. Are, they're handed to us by the chairs who have figured this stuff out for us. And now he's in training and uh, we return to where we began to the tube next to the Keith tube. That's funny. The Keith tube, the Keith's toes tube. The door opened. We entered to green, green everywhere, floor, walls. That tube was smaller. In the center was a large circular table. Of course it was circular. Isn't everything fascinating how I was starting to think in circles, expect circles, see in circles. There are two things that this passage brought up for me. First is that, and this only occurred to me like when I finished the book, we have the revelation of Dil Tud's booby traps and the moment that Dil Tud, Nunier, and Heen Grubers have. It only occurred to me that this construction in circles, thinking in circles, expecting, seeing in circles, in some way starts to feel really ominous looking back through the book after you finished it because it has this energy of, the arrangements were built in circular, almost hypnotic ways. Oh, interesting. Like sometimes a circle can get you trapped, right? Not called a sack. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe a dead end in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but second, this also, this immediately brought up the idea of like the, the um, platonic circles, like the world of forms, the ideals, the perfections that philosophers give us. Is that, how you think the chairs approach Mm. the arrangements as if there's an ideal and that we build in circles because and and some, yeah. And in some ways, everybody in power has to have some, you have to have an animating myth. You have to have some sense or the truth we call trunks. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody who's leading is like, ah, there's tons of better ways than that, that I'm leading you. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I, I, it was really, really interesting to me how, he, Sir Pong teaches him about ex- a culture always makes exchanges. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But then, like, there aren't any unhoused people. Mm. So, like, it all, from Heen's perspective, all seems to run quite well. And then gradually, when Nunez shows up, and he's, someone's like, yeah, this thing runs great because this is why. Yeah. Like, I always, I always joke, like, I can, like, think about a need, I can, like, push a button because I need a new toothbrush and within 24 hours, Amazon has put the new toothbrush on my front step. And I always like laugh, like, I mean, are they like torturing babies in another room? How is this happening? Yeah. How are they doing? <laughs> or Amazon apparently just ordered a hundred thousand electric delivery vehicles from Rivian because yeah. they, they're part owners in Rivian, the new electric car company. So are we going to later learn these incredible luxuries and conveniences that we have? Are they going to be like, mm, well, here's how we did that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> There's like writing. Just, yeah. Cause that is very, that's, that's like a real thing in the world. Like how did they, you know, build Dubai or whatever. You're like, Oh, they built these whole cities of people who, 
so or how why is that h&m t-shirt 13 dollars mm-hmm. well actually if you saw the factory and we now know that it wasn't safe and the people couldn't afford it some who worked in that factory couldn't afford basic like so this is all like something's happening in the world and i was really mm-hmm. struck me with Nunier essentially comes to go yeah these are the exchanges yeah every culture makes you know everybody everybody makes them how do you think this thing works yeah and the circular nature of yeah there's something ideal and great about it and i right now like like portland seattle san francisco los angeles like the encampments and the sense that housing is a crisis of the highest order and we lived in los angeles until a year ago and it you every day lived with something so massive and overwhelming. Yeah, I'm sure you could elect somebody who'd be like, I'll, I'll clean up these streets. Mm-hmm. You're Get not going to like how it's done. Parentheses Singapore. And we will swap one horrific thing for another. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll make all those people go away. I'll, I'll clean it. That's what we do when we make those promises or proclamations is we draw a circle around it and say, well, you want something different? Here's how I envision it. Yeah, Here's we can the- do that. Here's the literal yeah, and, circle. And you even think about the rise of authoritarian, totalitarian regimes right now around the world or and, mm-hmm. and the very real impulses within America itself about mm-hmm. just be strong and powerful and make this. We just give me a president who will make this thing great again, who I don't I don't care how just make it like this is a very real. I don't like this chaos. I don't like this disruption. Like this is this really could somebody please just clean this up? And yeah. There's always somebody who's like, yeah, I'll clean this up. Yeah. Just look how that way. You... Just look away. Just look over there and I'll clean this up. How do you see this idea being reflected in American churches? As a pastor, I'm I'm curious to hear. Well, in any any gathering of people, generally you'll have two columns, that which we can talk about and that which we don't. And it's generally not spoken or codified in any way or written down. It's just everybody's agreed that we don't, this is on the do not discuss list. Mm-hmm. And generally everything in the right-hand column, that which is not spoken about generally is running the show. So I, any, mm-hmm. in, any, in any space where people gather on a regular basis, I would, if you, if you were, if the most basic question was how does this become a more healthy sort of thing, I would just ask, what is it that can't be spoken of? And you, you can get, you can go right. Oh, so here's an example. America, we law America lost the Afghanistan war, like locals with Russian rifles from the eighties defeated the most efficient global military engine ever. So like America took a loss, like mm-hmm. America exceptionalism, America is the greatest thing. And the American Dream Index, which is if you work hard and go to school and save your money and you're a good citizen, you can have a better life. America isn't in the top 10 in the American Dream Index of countries around the world. So like right now, America <laughs> or, or like the largest arms dealer in the history of humanity is America. So the largest arms dealer in the history of the world happens to be the country that has the most mass shootings well that's not like hard to make those sorts of connections yeah Yeah. (laughs) right so you even think about all the things in in the american shadow we we are an incredibly violent nation that goes around that we're the one nation that used nuclear weapons 
and actually mm-hmm. killed hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians. And we're the nation that's like policing sort of who gets nuclear weapons. No wonder Iran has a problem with the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. So like the how the U.S. and if you leave the U.S. and you talk to people about how they perceive the U.S., you're like, oh, the, the American shadow, <laughs> like <laughs> what it isn't aware of of itself. I mean, lots of Americans mm-hmm. are, but yeah. So we just if we don't go into the shadow, then we just have to put it on other people. They're the enemy. They're the ones yeah. who are patriots. They're the mm-hmm. ones who don't want freedom or whatever the yeah. sort of phrase is. Yeah. The idea. Yeah. And that's all just a giant version of ourselves. We're all this is all just we all this is all the imitation for each of us. Yeah, because there's us with our arrangements saying, Don't you want a part of this? Don't you want our arrangements to be a part <laughs> right. of it? Yeah. Right, right, right. And like do Enticing. do your own do your own work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Do your work. So with with this idea you're already taking me into the kind of a, a, a disintegration phase of Heen Gruber's life. Mm. And I feel like he had three successively uh, escalating invitations to see how the arrangements actually worked. Mm-hmm. It was like he, something was drawing him out toward the edges of, Hey, don't you see ah. how weird ah, this right, is? Right, right. He, you're a professional noticer. And yet and you, you all these things it. you're missing, right? <laughs> I think the first invitation is the wonderful character of Dill Tud that quite literally comes out of nowhere. I was wondering if I may ask you to read, if you have a book on hand, I have you on page 201. I think I know what you're going to ask me This to is read. the Dill Tud Whiteout Day because... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Heen tries to catch Dill Tud on his heels because he's tired of being caught on his heels with Dill. And he goes, uh, Dill answers him, there is the white and then there's the absence of the white and Dill Tud is present in all of it. And then he gives us a little speech and I would love it if you would read it for us. Can you explain more Dill Tud, that part? (laughs) Right? Right there? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because Dill Tud does this whole black and white and he's he's like, oh God. Maybe if I just push him to explain, he'll realize how ridiculous he sounds. Can you yeah. explain more, Dill Tud? I don't know why I use his full name, because he does. I'd be honored. He says this as though he's been waiting for me to say it. Think about color. There is black, and then there is white. Black is not white. White is not black. He pauses, waiting for I don't know what. He nods like I should say something. Uh, okay, I'm with you. Now, he and bears. close your eyes and imagine white without black. I stared dumbfounded at this odd little squat man. Have I known him forever? This is our second encounter, and yet we pick up right where we left off. Scattershot back and forth, effortless. Nonsense, but it's effortless. I've never experienced a familiarity like this. It's terribly unnerving. He snaps his fingers in my face. He grew bears. We are sailing very close to the wind here. (laughs) I love it. We are sailing very close to the wind here. Close your eyes like a good man. Might as well. I close my eyes and try to imagine white without black. I can't, strangely enough. Now, try black without white. I do, and I can't. One is not the other, and the other is not the one. And yet they need each other. Black makes white possible. White makes black possible. The line between them, the border and boundary that determines this is not that, is also the connection between these two that depend on each other for their existence. The division is the connection. They are two, but they are one. 
what is that a speech, a lecture? I, I mean, I kind of get it. I suspect that what he just said is quite insightful, but I also think it's crazy. <laughs> well, that's an interesting thought exercise, something for me to ponder. He shakes his head vigorously, not a thought exercise, facts. He says it like I'm a slow student, but I try, so he'll give me points for effort. Nothing to ponder. He's emphatic. You see or you don't. Same with sad, Keen Grubers. Oh. Some mm. little alarm goes off deep in my bones. I stop in the middle of the trail. What did you say? Same with sad. You and your sadness. How can you have happy if there is no sad? That's a good point. I say this casually, trying to show him how none of this chatter means anything to me. Not a point, Sarheen Gruber's. Not a point. An experience of the fullness of life. It is the wholeness in which we have our being. I am to take. I am tempted to take off running as fast as I can to get away from this annoying creature <laughs> who speaks to something so deep within me that it has no shape or form or even words. I am trembling and I don't know why. He places his hand on my shoulder. I let him. Same with lonely. Same with greedy. I am. <laughs> I am rattled. I exhale. Same how. That's the thing with people who think they're smart. You take what they're going on about, you summarize it, and then you give it right back to them in a short, blunt sentence. A question is even better. And it usually stops them because you've demonstrated that you are several steps ahead. Dill Tud will have none of it. All are needed. Without one, there is no other. We often mm -hmm. run from the one, do we not? He tilts his head in his Dill Tud way. They need each other, Dean <sighs> Grubers. And that's where I'll stop you. Good Lord, Rob Bell. <laughs> because, of course, you refer to Dill Tud in his full name and you refer to Rob Bell in his full name. Um, mm. could, you, could you riff on this character of Dill Tud? This was such a wonderful I reading. I love him so much. I just absolutely love him so this much. This speech in particular got under my skin. I, it, literally, yeah. in the same way Heen Gruberz says later, he gets, gets under my skin. Mm-hmm. And I'm repulsed and I'm riveted at the same yeah. time. There's mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. there's something antagonistic and annoying about Dil Tud, but it's also such a playful invitation to like, don't you see how this is different? Don't you see mm -hmm. all these things? Can you riff on Dil Tud, introduce him to us, his clothes, his bags, his gifts? <laughs> yeah, he, appear, he appears to make his own clothes. And he always wears the same. It's always one out. The outfit is always in an entire color. One color. Yeah. And he loves texture and fabric and thread count and luster. And and he seems to, like when he and he and Nunier talk about eucalyptus trees and their different f favorite species of, he, he the whole thing for him is just, everything's an excuse to just riff. And he has these prof somewhat profound reflections on the nature of reality, but it's just, he has like a, he, as they say, he violates back channel norms. His social cues seem to be slightly off. And he has these staccato cadences to his speech that like King Bears can't, he just throws him off. And then whenever they're out, he finds him whenever they're walking and just walks with him like they've been friends forever. But then, oh, I love the scene when they're walking through that park and there's a lady singing under an oak tree. And as they walk by, <laughs> Dill Tud knows all the words and just sings along with her. Yeah. Like it's like a completely different view of the world and creation where he's just mm. all and he keeps handing things out of his bag to people and they are so grateful, but it never occurs to he like, what is going on here? What is this man who walks around handing things out? I can't quite tell what he's handing out. It's like there's this whole thing happening that 
Keen has no curiosity about it. He's so irritated. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Diltud is does something to me. It's like a spirit animal. So Diltud is what I considered like the first gentle invitation toward Heen's disintegration. The yeah. next one, the next one came in a childlike form in the character of lines and the rescue scene oh. uh, with lines on the mountain oh. and, and Heen finding him injured and carrying him literally carrying him so far first to close the loop on the platonic circles lines. As soon as I learned his name, I linked that straight back to those circles of... Oh, interesting. Oh, we had circles, and now we have a character who's going to send him on a Mm. journey. We're going to go... It's not circles anymore that Hinger Bears is on. He goes and finds lines and walks lines... Who he hasn't met. Correct. And he he, has to go find this kid, and and he hasn't met him. The lines have given him some sort of uh, trajectory or like some place to go, right? (laughs) <laughs> this this like childlike nudge that lines represents to heen i was so touching and it reminded me i immediately just thought of my nephew my three-year-old nephew mm-hmm. who builds legos with me when i get to see him and is kind of a little afraid of my dog because he doesn't know my dog very well but we visit and it takes a couple hours and then they're best friends and they're something about the way children show up to us makes us approach the universe differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the gift mm-hmm. of, and he loves him right away. And when they start, he, he pulls something out of Heen so deep and he hasn't even met. Heen hasn't even met him yet. And he's, this is something about life. It's not just life and death for Heen. It's, it, he can't even understand what it's drawing out of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they do meet. Yeah. And when they get back and Borns is like holding lines and, it like breaks me. I just like I really cry at that part. Like I really, really does something to me. I don't even know what. I, I don't even know what's going on. What I loved about Heen's approach. Well, first of all, he he spotlights lines with his spaceship and gives he uh, gives li- gives lines a story for the rest of his life. I saw a spaceship that found me, <laughs> and they're all like, "Really? Oh!" And Heen like fakes it. He's like, "Really." That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. But mm-hmm. here's here's lines and Heen approaches him. He Heen could have made assumptions. I know your father. I know what you're like. I know what Borns is like. Mm. But here is a new approach and we're instantly talking about how lines doesn't feel like he belongs in his family because he's not like his father, not like the other kids. And Heen, he knows that deep in his soul. And he's never, he's like, wait, you're right. There might be a downside to being born. It's never even occurred to him. Yeah. Because he just, Borns is so lovely. But it's, that might be a thing for his kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, the the lines thing. Yeah. Yeah. When And when they return and he's got blood and all, he's a wreck. And then he ha- feels these arms he does around him. And then that's when, when, looks around and bobby freelance is like i got you brother Ugh. yeah just brother oh wreck oh kill me just kill me because because here we are with lines expressing this felt sense of not belonging or being at odds with the energies of his home and of his family and he but there's so much empathy deep down in there because he mm-hmm. he felt he he was pushed away after 
Yeah. The loss yeah, yeah. of his wife from Nord, from, mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the whole family. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. here he is. He gets to connect with this child who sends him and on the And he connects lines. with this, this family who is just utterly beguiling to him. But in their effusive love and connection and sort of buoyant, joyous, there actually are like, oh, yeah, the, the, the dad's got to come to terms with some stuff. And Lyons is trying to sort of like, there's all, there's like this tension and friction, but it's good. It's fine. It's fine. It's how, it's how it works. And then we're invited to watch Bourne's realize like, whoa, maybe my kid is, maybe this kid is yeah. different and maybe he does get to build his own house and I can let him and, and that's it's okay. okay. Well, and and, and um, in the alley when Lan Zang is talking to him and somehow Lan Zang, who's almost this sort of like Zen, like calm bakery owner mm-hmm. just goes right after boards. And I, I love <laughs> noticing the weird, like you hadn't ever thought of the relationship between Bourne's and Lan Zing because they're like kind of characters over here. And all of a sudden, she has some like laser sharp confronting of borns that and just all the people in our lives who you never considered this person this person know each other and they have a thing a dynamic between them you know that feeling when people you've known forever yeah you realize they have a dynamic just like you have a dynamic but mm-hmm. and you observe their dynamic and you're like oh wait that's what's going on between and it's like opens up a whole you see them each differently yeah so Speaking of those dynamics, my first Rob Bell book that I ever wrote was this beauty here called The Zimzum of Love. Oh, yeah. Good. Um, Good. Heard yeah. Of that. yeah. You have heard of it. This. Yeah. <laughs> and this was another little Easter egg we found because, of course, he and Zimzums. Of course we'd Zimzum. Could you introduce us to for, for those listening, for our audience who doesn't know this insane word with two Zs, could you introduce this concept and... And what this word means? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's an ancient idea of zimzum. The idea of contracting to create space. So, Kristen and I were just fascinated with this this ancient idea as it related to you have this person you fall in love with and it creates space between you. And this, the space between the two of you exists nowhere else in the universe. And, like, in some senses, falling in love and organizing your life, like, deciding to live with somebody and make a life together at some level is contracting within yourself at some level, which also has an element of expansion. So once again, anything that's true is going to have all sorts of paradox within it. Yeah. Yeah. But you are making space in your life for this other person. Suddenly you care about this other person, how they're doing. Like you really care as much as you care about yourself. So you're, you've created all the space within you. And if they're doing the same thing, it, all this space has been created in each of you, which creates the space between you and this. Mm-hmm. There's something mm-hmm. about this space that is just a different way of understanding what it means to be with somebody for years and years. And yeah, mm-hmm. what happens in that space and protecting, guarding it or protecting it at some level becomes like really important. Because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's the exclusivity of it, and mm-hmm. what what I love is. The Zimzum of Love, you and Kristen wrote as a book about marriage, but I have, I've never been able to right. leave that book behind and that concept behind between me and my friends who play Dungeons and Dragons together or me and yeah, my like podcast yeah, co-hosts, yeah. business mm-hmm. partners. Yeah. Kristen would probably say that. Kristen would probably be like, oh God, why do we write that about marriage? It's more about people. <laughs> it's about the space yeah. between all of us. Yeah. Wow. Like your, yeah. And if you have kids, like giving them all the space they need to be who they are. 
another way rockets and spaceships come back to your life <laughs> and launching your rockets. Um, so on this theme, this is the scene where Borns has a speech about has Philippe died yet? I was wondering if you would read this one as well for us. Page 208 <laughs> is where it starts because this is just, this did something to me, Rob Bell, this little speech of Borns. Yeah. Okay. So he, so so Zigame works in the bakery and she and her man Philippe are having some problems. Yeah. It's clear that something's going on. So Borns is they're they're all around the oven and they're doing their work, but then Borns says, But there is a better question, and it's a question for Zigame. He takes a deep breath like he's gearing up for something monumental. Zigame, are you prepared to wait around for Philippe to die? She stares off into the distance. I still don't understand what you mean by dying. I interject. I don't either. Again, I'm unable to keep my thoughts to myself. I love how he just can't help but get born spreads <laughs> out his arms as far as he can reach. Love must be incarnated in space and time. He brings his hands together until they're almost touching. And to do that, love must empty itself of its infinite boundless formlessness in order to be present in bodies between people. You feel this, Zigame, do you not? He doesn't wait for her to answer. You want to give yourself to him this moment, this place, this time, to future little Zigas and Philippes. You want the limits because in them, in these people we choose to love is the limitless vastness of the universe. We die to everything else we could do and everywhere else we could be in order to love the ones we're with here and now. It is the death of all those other futures that makes the present the world opening wondrous gift that it is. Heartbreaking and maddening, but wondrous. He raises his fist above his head like he's just scored a goal. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so delighted by the Bourne's character and what gifts he has. He comes out of nowhere sometimes with these. Mm -hmm. With that. I've read lots of books. I picture him. I have, loved, I have read lots of books. Ian. I have read lots of books. <laughs> you know, Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, the who's the guy? The, the guy with the giant red beard who comes in later. Oh, and yeah. Like, the wildling guy. The wildling guy. Yeah. I always picture him with blonde hair and a blonde beard. Yeah. Like that's, I kind of picture Bourne's being like that. That's fitting. <laughs> and his energy is just so infectious. I love that he ends the speech with raising a fist. Like, yes, mm -hmm. I got it. <laughs> wow. 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 I think th there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of thinking that this book does about spaces between people and literal spaces. Like there's the architecture of mm. spaces shape souls shape spaces in this pie shaped apartment that Heens mm. finds mm -hmm. himself right could you and like I wanted to talk about Zimzum and I wanted to talk about the architecture idea but I couldn't really quite cleanly separate those two because it's it's all related in a way could you talk about how this idea of like the physical space affects the emotional human space and the human yeah, space. Yeah, we shape our spaces and our spaces shape us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what the word is. Obsessed, fascinated with how, with spaces, how architecture is a deeply spiritual craft, trade, profession, mm -hmm. act, and uh, how all these spaces that people are in are 
people wondering, why do I feel this way or that way? Well, lots of spaces, you can be like, well, just some casual observations about the space that you're, especially businesses, but even homes, they are directly engineered against the very things that people would be telling you that they are for. Mm. So even think about houses, like buying a house, people will, it has lots of great closets as a selling point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, closets. But everybody wants less stuff. So you want tons of, it has tons of great closets, but you don't want to need tons of closets. So there's all these, <laughs> I never I hadn't thought about it until that moment like that. Or you just think about how many people, the majority of the year, they're breathing air that was run through a machine, either heated or cooled. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's just right there, a profound disconnection from creation all around you or the tile floor and fluorescent lighting or think about the those chain pharmacies that they build the same building in every town it Mm -hmm. has no relationship to the culture or land around it it has no windows other than the glass on the front door so that it isn't day or night so the rhythms of creation it is cut off from Um, a lot of the things in the packaging will be in a landfill in six weeks Mm -hmm. Um, so if you have a headache and you need something for it great but and then when you walk in there's that central aisle which is all of those magazines with celebrities on the cover and those will all be swapped out for whoever's in love yep. with whoever next month so the whole thing shouts to you temporary nothing matters like that space that's a profound architectural that architecture is saying something to you like you go into the just go into one of those pharmacies stand in the middle of it and say to your friend it is a glorious thing to be a human being and it will sound like utter nonsense. Yeah. But the mountain behind my house, we can go up there and in five minutes and then say, it is a glorious thing to be a human being. You'd be like, mm-hmm. yeah, of course it is. Oh. You just take the exact same statement in a multiple. Di- or you have a very wealthy friend who has this cavernous house and they bought everything in their head to be the ultimate party house. And there's like a brand new furniture thing over here. And there's a huge outdoor grill thing over here. But, but then you have this other friend who under a tree in their backyard has this mishmash of old chairs around a metal thing that their uncle welded that they light a fire in. <laughs> and you sit around that and somebody's got this little speaker and they're playing some classical music and you are there on a Saturday night and like it costs like $9. Yeah. For them to set this little thing up that's built up has this wabi-sabi it's built up over time some friends of mine have um art hanging in their backyard like outdoors like pictures and stuff yes. is hanging outdoors and of course you just think about the one that was very it was they hired an interior designer to make him the ultimate outdoor space mm. and it has a sort of cold fabricated idealized platonic circle of what people do when they have people over and then this nasty chair that's got like stuff sort of coming out of the stuffing and yet we're sitting around that and that's what feels home and that's what yeah so there's it all brings us back to like humanity in my opinion yeah. we have these things that connect us whether it be the literal spaces we live in how we choose to remind ourselves of the connections we've had on vacations with photos and artwork and all those things and then there's things that you can hold that come between you that you put in the space between you and another person. 
I, yes. I uh, to use the term rent free, the couple in this book, Barbara Barabar and Javine Wendor, <laughs> that have and when Ziga May and when Ziga May says as he walks out, she's like, you know, I've been reading about Rosemary and how it affects memory, and she says maybe she almost says it like wisp like Tahine, like maybe the bread helps them remember why they fell in love. Yeah, Barbara Barabar is the best. And when Javine Javine is like, oh, her hugs. People just love her hugs. Yeah, young man, her I hugs. will never forget this. Or when uh, it's a loaf of bread. Yeah, and then when he and Nunier finish the meal and it's been paid for, uh, that one just blew, just yeah. And all of a sudden, I was like, wait, the meals who made, who paid for the meal? And he goes looking for whom he, and he sees them wait. Oh god, that moment. Yeah, yeah. I uh, this this couple has lived rent free in my head because I guess if I may, like their sourdough bread with rosemary that entered the space between them and drew them back together. Um, I, I have to tell you, Rob Bell, that this book is my sourdough with rosemary between me and my wife lately. This it's, it's unlocked a new sense of wonder in my wife and I have been married for almost nine years. Uh, I got married to her when I was 20 years old after we dated in high school as sweethearts. Is that even legal? Yeah, it turns out it is. It's crazy, honestly. And we've talked about that plenty. <laughs> but this, I mean, we're different people now, right? I got married, yeah. as you say, you're, 20 Stevens ago. You're on your third marriage. With the same person. Yeah. And man, this book, this question even, where'd you park your spaceship? I get to ask, hey, Dixie Lee, where'd you park your spaceship? I want to relearn you. I want to know mm-hmm. more things mm-hmm. about you. That has mm-hmm. been... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's such a gift truly mm, wow yeah because wow. you know 10 stevens ago 10 dixie lees ago we uh we have experienced a couple of miscarriages in our journey mm-hmm. of becoming parents and that changed us of course it changed us and there were things put in the the zimzum of us that pushed us apart for a while some of that that grief and that loss and that heartache yeah. Parts yeah, of us yeah. got hard and yeah, walled right, up right. and shelled off. And uh, yeah, we get to be cracked open again. And honestly, I think one of the biggest themes that leaps out of this book is this idea of grief and what we do with it and what happens when we don't do what we need to with it. Yeah. We have arrangements. We have spaces where we put the caris yeah. in the middle of the circle so mm-hmm. that we are reminded. And yet that doesn't quite get us to the heart of what do we do with that grief and that loss? You are a very, very insightful person. Oh, thank you. You really live from your, you live from a deep place of the soul, which I'm sure I'm not the first person to have observed, but wow, mm. that's very profound. I, I wonder if I can ask for my last reading from you on page 511. <laughs> what, if, what if I was like, oh yeah, the scene with... That would be weird. Honestly, I would believe it. Because <laughs> I can do that oh, now. Yeah. And I have the sticky yeah. Oh, notes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love this part. And all this. Yeah, I love it. Because he's like, because Heen, Heen is like, wait, Gloria was a pig? Yeah. And Dil Tud's, and Heen is like, what are pigs for? Like, he doesn't know what, why you'd have a pig. And then Dil Tud thinks about it and says, friendship? And they're like, okay. I just love, I love that. Just, I love that thing where Heen is completely, why would someone, what are pigs? What are even, what? 
Yeah. And Diltad has to think about it for a minute. And he's like, friendship. And that that's how a pig then, on Furtis, a pig is friendship. And then Gloria dies. Oh, she was with us for 13 laps. And then she joined the soil just recently. I love that the Diltad's definition of death is joining the soil. Uh-huh. I was so sad to see her go. I sang a number of songs at her burial service, which you realize would have been Diltad and a bunch of animal dogs. And he would have been singing. Just I mean, I just picture a one man, a funeral service of one person. Yeah. I sang a number of songs at her burial service. I have to know. Gloria was a pig. I knew Nunier would have asked it if I didn't. You had a funeral for a pig? Oh, Hingu bears, your questions are often so laced with a certain innocence. It's quite wonderful to behold. He leans against the wall. Of course we had a funeral. We always mark our losses properly. Grief unexpressed will cause your bones to waste away. I feel no need to say anything after that. <laughs> what is there to say, honestly? Yeah. I hadn't pictured, I, it just struck me that I hadn't, I hadn't pictured that before. Diltud and surrounded by all those dogs having conducting a funeral service for his for beloved pig. pig. And then yeah. he's just singing and singing and singing. <laughs> it's so great. Where my mind took me because we have friendship with a pig that we're going to mark the loss of and celebrate the life of. And of course you have a pack of dogs that he knows by name that love him so unconditionally and a Fox named Shireen. Mm-hmm. That's probably there too. Mm-hmm. And what a universe this is that Diltud can sing for a pig and the dogs mm-hmm. howl along with the songs mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. well. We have a choir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dog choir. When he's like, when he hears the dogs, like it's like a dog choir, but they can't agree on the song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which reminded me of the scene where uh, him and his classmates are learning music one note at a time. Uh, Make a song. Mm. Oh, what a special intro to mm. he to music he says there wasn't music in my home yeah and he's like i began to realize that some of the notes were higher or lower i guess that's how he, he's all just like finding his way into it yeah wow and through all those stories i mean there's the heartbreak of it and there's the acknowledgement of it and then mm-hmm. the marking of it mm-hmm. so to bring it all the way back around because i really think that dill tud in rob bell's voice saying we always mark our losses properly grief unexpressed will cause your bones to waste away that's that's the thing that we need Mm -hmm. to say about grief right absolutely Um, but i wonder to bring it all the way back around to our friend pabby who can cry on command what do you imagine he's accessing and connecting with where he draws those sobs up from the well yeah like it's almost like pabby was born without a filter People, um, who was it? I, who was it? I've read about. Oh, the the uh, Jennifer Lawrence. People, I, I've read numerous articles about how, like, like her. Just there's a direct. The whole thing is like sitting right there on the face. Like the yeah. the, the people who move us with their performances, who it does, whose acting is so good that we forget that they're acting, mm-hmm. is about. There aren't a lot of layers between them and the experience they're having, and. Uh, so that's the gift that people who tell these those kinds of stories give us is there's 
like a visceral author. They're true to the experience. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're all, that's what we're all doing. That's what we're all yeah. doing. A person that lives without those filters that scene struck me so hard when it first happened. Here are these kids asking, hey, do you want to be cast in a play I wrote? You don't know us, mm-hmm. but I wrote a play mm-hmm. and I heard you have this talent, this skill. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> to have Heen so frightened of, oh my gosh, this is like bubbling out of him. Like what's oh happening? God. Should is we call okay? an adult? Right. He doesn't, he's, <laughs> Heen has forgotten that he asked the kid if he could cry on command. He's complete. The kid is so thrown himself into it. I just did this uh, painting. Uh, I don't know if you can see it. I, or that silver one right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That says this feels exactly like this. Uh huh. Feels this feels exactly like this. Feels exactly, exactly like this. Feels exactly like this. Feels exactly like this. <laughs> and that, like this, uh, how often the mind is providing running commentary on the experience and judging and analyzing. And you, you should be over this by now. Uh, or how many times people have tears and then say, I'm sorry, as they get choked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As opposed to this feels exactly like this feels. Uh, two mares carriages, this feels exactly like this feels. Yeah. So you're, you're learning, we're learning to allow whatever it is that is arising within us to arise. Because mm-hmm. the mind is like, don't let that. You shouldn't come on. It, it has all these like what it's decided is appropriate or not. And it's the heart doesn't care. The heart's sad. Right. The heart's happy. The heart's disappointed. So as you're more and more in your body, this feels like this feels I'm sad today. I feel lost. This provokes great anger with me. I don't even know what, who it's towards or what it's about. Mm. Yeah. This feels exactly like this. So you think about how many experiences we're having when we're like holding up all these templates to the moment. Like I'm going through this experience. So as opposed to just this moment is this moment, there is no other reality than this moment. So if I'm losing my shit, this this is the moment apparently when I lose my shit, I can pick a war with reality and be like, I shouldn't, but I am. So it's like we pick, we pick a war with reality it's like we're punching ourselves in our in the face, and then we go looking for fists. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I'm the suffering, whatever the event is. Yeah, whatever it is that's happening, the real suffering is what I'm putting myself through by it shouldn't or it should or it's living up to it or it's exceeding or it's it, it's all the stuff in here. The the real suffering's in here. Mm. Mm. Rob Bell, where'd you park your spaceship? Mm-hmm. I'm so glad to talk to you guys. It's so fun. Thank you so much. We started with the drink and the lightning round, and then we found our way to Pabby Absar. Yeah. Yeah, you had some deep cuts in there. You pulled out some. I love it. There's a couple of things you asked about that no one has asked about yet. Wow. Which to me that's, is purely delightful. That's the gift of Stephen. There was some other Stephenness that was like, what else that you had picked up? Oh, the circles and the relationship between circles and lines, like that. That to me, this is all just talking with you people and what you see in it is just like, yeah, it's so interesting. Well, it, it was an honor to read the book. It was an honor to talk to you and talk about this and mirror the book back to you and tell you what it is and oh. how it shapes us out here engaging with your work and seeing your paintings on Instagram and all that. You are a <laughs> gift. Yes. 
Truly. So thank you. You're very, very kind. We have a tradition on this podcast when we close to offer some sort of benediction to our listeners. To be honest, it is inspired by you because Mm. we hear in the voice of Rob Bell, the words may you, and we all crack open a little bit because Mm. you give those kind of invitations to us. I'm wondering if I may ask for our podcast, which you offer Mm -hmm. us a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. May you mark your losses properly because there is a relationship between grief and imagination. So may you feel all the feels, especially the ones that are a little ugly because there are no bad emotions. There are no negative emotions. There is just what this feels like. And may you experience in marking your losses properly an explosion of new possibilities as you let go because now you're ready to receive. Oh my God. My goodness. What a we joy. okay, Emily? We okay, Emily? I'm, we hold it together? I'm trying, honestly. <laughs> I'm giving it the Bourne's fist over here. Oh, wow. (laughs) It was wonderful being with you all in this living room in the sky. And I will see you down the road. You shall. Bye-bye. Bye.